KTSA News Time is 4.07. Good afternoon, Jack Riccardi. Welcome to our dreadful little show, the Jack Riccardi Show on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. And anytime you want to jump into this thing, most people would run away. But if you want to run toward it, 210-599-5555. I'm a sucker for any uh, anytime there's an encounter, there's a mix-up between Fox News uh, White House correspondent Peter Ducey and White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre, um, they just, they are the cutest couple. I mean, let's face it, right? I mean, come on, right? They're just adorbs. Uh, here he is asking a question about the, he's comparing the um, federal government's uh, under Biden, the federal government response to Hurricane Adalia to the no comment response to the Maui wildfires, and she's not having it. Cut number 13. Seems like the hurricane response so far is robust. Did you guys realize that the initial Hawaii wildfire response was not that good? Or is it just easier for people to get help from the White House when the president is not on vacation? So the premise of your question and the way you posed your question, I disagree, just for the record. Uh, so if you talk to, if you were to do your reporting and speak to the governor Ooh. of Hawaii, the senators yeah. uh, of Hawaii, the folks on the ground, they would mm. say that the president reacted in record time when it came yeah. to dealing with the wildfires. Record uh, time. When it came to dealing and making sure that they got everything that they need on the federal level to deal with what was going on on the ground. Let's not forget there were more than 600 uh, uh, federal employees on the ground already to assist uh, mm. with the wildfires in Maui. Mm. So your question is is wrong. It's flawed in many your many ways. Is wrong. And I would I would uh, <laughs> I would advise you to go speak to the governor and the local and state oh. officials in in uh, in Hawaii. Oh. Your question is wrong. Um, record time. I didn't know that the Guinness people. Uh, had a page on that. Fastest ever U.S. president response to a natural disaster. Your question is wrong. Um, it, 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 you know, he's he's provocative. She's not up to, you know, she can't handle, there isn't a page in the binder, you know. But, but I, I was looking at this New York Times story. And um, it says, latest on the Maui wildfires, search for the dead nears its end. Three weeks after the wildfires swept across Maui, uh, Governor Josh Green announced that 99% of the search of the burn area had been completed. That's not a very good sentence. 99% of the search of the burned area had been completed. He and other officials have acknowledged that some of the dead may never be found or identified. How many people died in this thing? Uh, the official death toll is still like a hundred something. Um, there are, according to this article, um, over eleven hundred people were reported missing, and the FBI has those files open. It says that Maui officials released a list of three hundred and eighty-eight people last Thursday, for whom officials had full names as well as contact information for the per person who had reported the missing. So I guess the 388 is like the firm number of the 1,100 that are missing. And 
in between the lines, it sounds like several hundred people died. But they're letting themselves off the hook. By making the names public, authorities hope to narrow the tally of the missing, but it can take months or even years of forensic analysis and DNA testing to identify the dead, similar to the aftermaths of the September 11th attacks. Um, I'm going to call BS on that answer, because you're talking about two 100-story towers pancaking down to the ground, and... Obviously, um, we do know that there have there were people and, I, and and remains and parts of remains being found years after the nine eleven attack. But let's just go for so I, I'm not sure I as a as a non scientist idiot average dude I don't know that I accept. Well, we'll just never know. These are Americans. What do you mean you'll just never know? They didn't even say that after 9-11. They said, we're, we're, we're turning over every piece of debris. We're working night and day. We, you know, we will not give up. This whole thing is starting to take on a we're letting ourselves off the hook feel. You know, if you contrast the reaction of politicians to a mass shooting, okay, and, and, and take, for the example, the most recent high-profile one, the one at the Jacksonville Dollar General store, where three people were killed by a guy that went in there and then killed himself. We are told after a mass shooting that even one is too many, uh, one victim, that um, we must say their names, that we, you know, we owe it to them to never forget them, This is not just a natural disaster in the sense that there were clearly incredibly bad policies and decisions by government leading up to it, and then epically bad management of the fires once they began. We've, we talked about this the other day. The, the Associated Press story is, is incredible in revealing the incompetence and the fact that the people who, a lot of the people who lived actually did the opposite of what they were being told to do, because if they had done what they were being told to do, they would have died, and they, they as much as said it. If I had gone the way that the, the traffic cones told me to go, if I had gone the way the guy directing traffic told me to go, those people all died, so we went the other way. And I saved my family, or I saved my, my wife, or my kids, or whatever. So um, it's not just a natural disaster. But it's interesting how blasé we're being about, well, we'll just never know. I find that astonishing. I find that shocking. I understand that the, the intensity of the fire means that these remains are like mounds of ash. And I don't know enough about the science to know how far you can go with that. But you're talking about our fellow Americans. I'd like you to sound like you're a little more concerned about it. And I start to wonder why three people shot to death has somehow more value and is more um, scold-worthy than several hundred people burned to death. I mean, are, is that how we're doing this now? Are we now waiting and valuing uh, the, the way that you die in terms of the value of your life? And certainly, at the bare minimum, being able to identify and confirm, yes, this person died in the fire, 
seems like a very small shred of dignity. It seems like it seems like not very much to ask. And the people in charge sound like they're not that into it. And I wonder why that is. 210-599-5555. Speaking of the hurricane, um, it is just the, the, the coverage of this is just relentlessly climate crisis. CNN has a climate crisis correspondent, Bill Weir, and they had him on to talk about the severity of the storm and where it hit. And I want you to hear what he says because... You can see what the talking points are going to be here already. Cut number 15. Listen to this. Yeah, I mean, and to that point, you just talked about this warmer water, historically warm water. These communities now are suddenly in the path of hurricanes where they have not been before. Is there anything that can be done to protect them going forward? That's an amazing question. It's the biggest sort of trillion dollar question about how you adapt communities like this to the world that we're already now living in at the same time trying to mitigate further more wicked storms down the road with more fossil fuel pollution. Um, Right now the Gulf is being reopened by the Biden administration for oil and gas lease sales. That's about to happen in coming weeks. There are lawsuits around that. Uh, right there, but it's the double bind of these sort of oil economies in places like this where they, they have that as, a, as an income stream, but also the cost mm. of it is becoming bigger with every storm. Uh, science has been warning about this for a very long time. In many ways, it's been predicted. It's the speed that we're seeing these changes that has taken most folks by surprise. Yeah. How come everything so. that science has been predicting for a really long time has been wrong? Just everything. Everything, everything they've been warning about predicting for a really long time. Uh, turns out to be wrong. Population, running out of of uh, various natural resources, uh, starvation, no water, everything. Wrong about everything. But I like the way he works in the fossil fuel economy because it turns out that this same stretch of Florida coastline in 1896 had a hurricane called the Cedar Keys Hurricane. This is before they were giving them names. And... Uh, in terms of the track of the storm, almost identical to Adelia. In terms of the wind speed, exactly identical to Adelia. 1896, and and this is how they're. This is why when you watch the coverage, they're saying uh, strongest hurricane in this area in 125 years. They're referring to the 1896 hurricane. Uh, so my question would be, how many people were driving cars? What kind of fossil fuel economy do we have? in Florida in 1896. We're going to have Congressman Tony Gonzalez on the show uh, coming up in about uh, 15 or 20 minutes uh, to talk about this story. Um, A human smuggler with ISIS ties bringing people into the country from Uzbekistan and surrounding regions. And Corinne Jean-Pierre got a question about this at the White House on Tuesday. Take a listen to this, cut number five. Eric Adams, the New York mayor, is saying about these migrants uh, in New York City, any plan that does not include stopping the flow at the border is a failed plan. So why aren't you guys stopping the flow at the border? 
We are solving the flow at the border. If anything, the, what the president has been able to do on his own without the help of Republicans in Congress, something that he had to do on his own again because Republicans refuse uh, to give the funding necessary to deal with a situation, uh, immig a broken immigration system that has been broken for decades. They choose, what they choose to do is play politics, but the, the president has put a plan that is indeed uh, the data showing is that it is indeed uh, um, stopping, slowing down the flow. Uh, yeah. of no, Don, I think I, I think I called for the wrong clip there. I think the one that's about the ISIS smuggler is cut 14. Is that right? Can we have that one, cut 14? Let's have cut 14. That one is good, too, but listen to this one. Uh, thank you, Kareem. How is it possible that an ISIS sympathizer is sneaking people into this country? So just so that uh, folks... I'm assuming you're speaking to the CNN uh, story, right? Okay, so I just want to make sure that uh, uh, folks who are watching understand the question. So I just want to be really clear here. So the intelligence alerted us to a human smuggling network. Uh, we moved fast uh, and, she goes and into successfully just reading to, uh, just to, uh, reading out of the binder. to disrupt it. So just want to be very clear of that. And we are being you disrupted it. Are you saying that you know where all of the people this ISIS sympathizer snuck into the country are? If I can answer the question, I'm sure I'll touch on every everything that you want to ask me. So again, in, intelligence alerted us of this human human uh, smuggling network. We believe, and we move fastly, and we successfully disrupted it. So let's be very clear about that. And we are grateful. We're very grateful to the law enforcement for their quick work and their vigilance on this. Now, to your other part of the question, smugglers have been detained overseas, including mm -hmm. one link to the foreign terrorist uh, organization. Uh, no sign, there's no sign that any, anyone moved by the smuggling network has terrorism connections, so I want to be clear there as well. And what mm -hmm. we were able to do as precaution, uh, people brought here by smuggling network are being subject to extra vetting and are all in removal proceeding. And in addition to that, in mm. addition to that, anyone coming across the border outside of the network uh, who matches the profile of those in the smuggling network is subject to uh, extra vetting, detained, and put in expedited removal uh, proceedings as well. Boy, they're just not letting anybody in. Thank goodness. Simple question. If you're a, and she doesn't, she can't say ISIS for some weird reason. They must have told her not to. If you are being smuggled into the country by an ISIS smuggling ring, I don't think you're probably a dishwasher, right? I mean, is that not is that does that not follow? Terrorists don't smuggle random people they grab off the street in Uzbekistan into the United States. Like what, just, just for the hell of it? Terrorists smuggle people that they will use, they will call on, they will have beholden to them. I don't know if you're a terrorist at that point or not. Maybe you are. Maybe you're a, 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 a you know, a total dyed-in-the-wool radicalized terrorist. Or maybe you're just somebody who they now know when they need something done or delivered or a message carried or something, you owe us. We got you into the United States. How hard is that to figure out? And I'm, I'm starting to think that, that when we talk about how bad she is at answering questions, that's the point, right? I mean, like, obfuscation. You know, she gets a very direct question. She reads out of the binder for a little while. She snarks back. By the way, you can be snarky when you're really good at this. 
But when you're like two beats behind the person questioning you, it's probably best to show a little humility. I don't know, just just my thoughts. But it, it, it it's like, no, there's nothing to that. And by the way, even though there's nothing to it, we've taken these three extraordinary draconian steps, but there's nothing there's nothing to worry about. You know, it, it didn't mean anything. It was a nonsense story, but we made all these changes just in case. Um, how are you vetting people if you don't know who or where they are? You know, what, what, how, how does that work? The words are getting new definitions, aren't they? So during the break, I was explaining to our producer, Don Cooper, my mistake. I, I called for the wrong Corinne Jean-Pierre soundbite because we have so many of them. And uh, it, so we, we then played the correct one. Um, I, said to, I said to Don, you know what I need? I need that woman that was with Mitch McConnell. I don't know who she is. Do we know her name? I don't know what her name is. The woman that comes over and unfreezes him when he when he locks up. I just whoever she is, I just need her all the time with me, like all the time. Everything I'm doing, you know, doing the show, preparing the show, going to the bank, whatever. Just I, I need like somebody to just pick up the slack. And I, I'm not quite. I don't think I'm quite to the visiting angels point yet. I mean, getting there to be sure. It's on the horizon. But in the meantime, boy, it would just be great to have like a, like a, you know, sort of an, an aide-de-camp, you know, just like right there, you know, here's you, what you want. You know what stood out, though? Did you notice how calm she was as she reached over mm-hmm. to him? And, well, I think she's had a lot of experience with no, this. You know, <laughs> there was no, kind of feel like, no panic, like this is the first time she's ever seen this happen? I don't think so. And did it not seem to you like when I see, when I see his situation or even Biden – and I see aides taking them by the... Shouldn't that be a loved one? Shouldn't that be a family member? Like, what, what is it about these people? What, what do they get? I know they. I know there's a lot of money. I know we all know, or maybe we don't know, but we strongly suspect that there's a lot of money and glory and what have you. But where where are the family members of uh, Biden and and McConnell? And Diane Feinstein, and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's always some aid, which is sort of pathetic, sort of sad, because these people have spouses and adult children and maybe grandchildren, and you would think, right? Like somebody would be like, "Come on, we're getting you out of here. You're not doing this anymore." Um, n- n- not to mention, wouldn't you just want to enjoy yourself at that age? Wouldn't you just want to be like, yeah, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to look out the back porch. I'm, they, these people have vacation home. I mean, I don't even have a vacation home. I just live in a regular house. And I look forward to the day when I can just be at that house, you know, but they have vacation homes. They can go to the pond. They can look out at the beach. You know, imagine what must be in it for them to stay when they are clearly physically and mentally unable to do it. I mean, you talk about term limits, and I agree with that, and people talk about should we have uh, mental competency testing, and I agree with that too. But I'm telling you, before we get to any of that, what happened to having someone in your life who loves you so much that they are just not going to let you be embarrassed. It's embarrassing. I mean, I realize you may totally disagree with Joe Biden, or you may have no use for Mitch McConnell, but just as a human being, that's embarrassing. There was a story this week that 
an ISIS human smuggler was bringing people into the country from Uzbekistan and surrounding areas. Um, and uh, it, it's disturbing on, on its face. But the answer from White House, uh, White House uh, Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre is definitely disturbing. Um, and also oddly elusive, like she never says the word ISIS or the term ISIS. Um, and she sort of sounds like, on the one hand, there's nothing to this. But on the other hand, we're doing all these things in reaction to it. Cut number 14. Listen to this. Uh, thank you, Green. How is it possible that an ISIS sympathizer is sneaking people into this country? So just so that uh, folks, I'm assuming you're speaking to the CNN uh, story, right? Okay, so I just want to make sure that uh, uh, folks who are watching understand the question. So I just want to be really clear here. So the intelligence alerted us to a human smuggling network. Uh, we moved fast uh, and, and successfully to uh, to uh, successfully to disrupt it. So just want to be very clear of that. And we when are you, being, that you disrupted it. Are you saying that you know where all of the people this ISIS sympathizer snuck into the country are? If I can answer the question, I'm sure I'll touch on every everything that you want to ask me. So again, in, intelligence alerted us of this human human uh, smuggling network. We believe and we move fastly and we successfully disrupted it. So let's be very clear about that. And we are grateful. We are very grateful to the law enforcement for their quick work and their vigilance on this. Now, to your other part of the question, smugglers have been detained overseas, including one link to the foreign terrorist uh, organization. Uh, no sign, there's no sign that any, anyone moved by the smuggling network has terrorism connections, so we want to be clear there as well. And what we were able to do as precaution, uh, people brought here by smuggling network are being subject to extra vetting and are all in removal proceeding. And in addition to that, in addition to that, anyone coming across the border outside of the network uh, who matches the profile of those in the smuggling network is subject to uh, extra vetting, mm. detained, and put in expedited removal uh, proceedings as well. Well, are we profiling now? Is that what I, is that what I, is that what I just heard? Uh, let's bring into the uh, conversation on the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker Line, United States Congressman Tony Gonzalez. Congressman, good afternoon. Welcome back to KTSA. Hey, Jack. Thanks for having me back on. So apparently nothing to see here. Move along. We're, it's all good. Oh, man, it, it takes a very talented person to talk and not say anything. And, and boy, is the Biden administration good at that. I mean, we literally have people that hate us and want to kill us. And they're sneaking into our open border, and they don't even blink an eye. They act as if this is normal. And this has been going on. I and mean, we're seeing historic numbers of people on the terrorist watch list. Jack, I just got I just got briefed by the the DEA a few a few days ago, where they outlined a case where the cartels were cha- were uh, trading thousands of pounds of fentanyl in exchange for guns. Like this isn't a what if or you know you know it isn't a, a a tom clancy novel like we're living it it's they've the biden administration has already gotten american ki- americans killed in afghanistan and it's only a matter of time if they keep this open border policies up before they get americans killed here in the, in the states how would it be that a person with ties to isis would be smuggling people that have no terrorism ties or intentions like what what would be the purpose of that 
it doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, uh, bad guys usually have bad guy friends, and that doesn't change. It's just the the way the way things are. Uh, it, it's as if they don't want to acknowledge their their head is in the sand. They don't want to acknowledge that this is a real issue. That there are people that that genuinely want to hurt us. We've seen it over and over again. Uh, it's it's scary. It should scare the hell out of all of us. It's part of one of the reasons I've been going. This should unite us. This should as Americans, we should all go. Yeah, no, we don't want any terrorists in our country. We don't want any terrorists to kill us or anyone else. Like, how do we stop that? But they think this is a political problem. It's not. It's a policy problem. She doesn't address the fact that people are getting into the country and we don't know who or now where they are. So you can't say you've increased vetting of people you you don't know anything about, right? They, exactly. Honestly, they don't know what the hell's going on. And, and I've got, I, I got briefed a while back where it said, hey, Tony, well, here's the deal. You know, the, the cartels are making a lot of money off of human smuggling. So, I mean, does it make sense why they would even let someone with terrorist ties in? Because they would, you know, they would disrupt their, their money-making machine. I go, well, yeah, but wait a second here. We're relying on the drug cartel to have, to have uh, morals, and, and that's, that's going to be our, our, uh, uh, the folks that protect our border. I mean, it just – it's all crazy. It's as if we're like... Are, are we oh, so the, the cartels are doing quality control now on, on the, who they're smuggling? That's what we're supposed to believe? Yeah, yeah because they don't want to harm they don't want to harm their clientele. And, and I never thought we should be thanking them for being so careful. Um, what, what, do you, what do you make of the... I forget the exact wording, but she said something about anyone who matches the profile in the smuggling network, uh, even if they are from outside the network. She keeps calling it a network. I won't say ISIS. Um, anyone matching the profiles put in expedited removal proceedings. Uh, first of all, anybody coming here illegally from any of the stand countries could be said to match the profile, right? Anyone coming into the country illegally, period. I mean, that's that's where the conversation should be. What they're trying to do is normalize things. They're trying to be like, no, no, this is perfectly normal for us not to know who these people are and where they're going and what they're doing. No, and, and nine out of ten people don't qualify for asylum. So stop sending them down the route. Get their day in court in days, and if they don't qualify, you get them on a plane and you send them back to their country of origin. Period. Whether they're on a terrorist watch list or not, and if they do qualify for asylum, I get it. We protect those that are seeking refuge. B- bottom line: nine out of ten don't qualify for asylum. It's so crazy. This administration continues to barrel down this open border policy. Because this is what they want. They don't care. They don't care about Americans, more or less. People coming in. It's just. It's really strange. I'm not asking you to violate any confidences, but I mean, when you're getting these briefings from DEA or these other federal agencies, they know you. They know your background um, and your your credentials, and and I understand that they have to do their job and they they answer to their higher ups. But are, are they? Do they get, I mean, are they conveying to you the same frustration you have, or are they kind of whistling past the graveyard, or is this so bad that we've already lost the thread and it's it's too late now, whatever's going to happen is going to happen, there's several million getaways, and I mean, what 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 is the mood like when you're talking to these people? Yeah, I, I won't get you the details, but I'll tell you, I get two responses, and, you know, I spent 20 years in the military Uh, as a cryptologist in the intelligence community. So I always try to ask something that they go, damn, that's a good question. 
And so I get, a, I get the, I get the uh, party line is the first response. They'll walk me through kind of this out of the other. And then they will pull me aside and go, here's the real deal, Tony. And then I'll ask him, I'm like, look, man, politics aside, I just don't want Americans to die on American soil. I mean, tell me that, that we're working towards that. And what do you need? You know, what resources do you need to do that job? And, and that's where we'll have the second conversation is where the real conversation will happen. And they'll go, hey, man, this program is working. This is junk. And, and so it's just I get two responses, though. Congressman Tony Gonzalez, please keep up the good work. Appreciate your time with us today. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Jack. In the uh, saga of this uh, Gadsden flag patch kid, who we now know the full name of. His name is Jaden Rodriguez. He's a seventh grader. Goes to the Vanguard School in Colorado. Uh, and uh, this is, uh, just to take you back, this was the meeting uh, that his mom and he went to with a school administrator back when the school was telling him he could not have the patch on his backpack. Cut number 10. So I understand that. Yeah. And I mean, we teach him to always stick up for your beliefs. And I mean, you're going over the revolution this for seventh grade. I mean, the founding fathers stood up for what they believed in against unjust laws. This is unjust. Okay. I, like I said, we are upholding a policy that was provided to us, which we have to uphold. Okay. Can you show me where the policy is? We provided the policy to you. I can print it out again. Okay. If you want. Yeah. Um, it's the one that's been emailed to you a couple times, but I can print it out again. Okay. Um, I will also see if Mr. Yoke is available. Okay. If he can come down. If not, then we can definitely get a call with him. Okay. They had, they had at various times told this mom, um, oh, it's a, it's a slavery symbol which it's not, um, or, well, it's just a policy, like you hear the saying there, we've emailed you this policy before. So, it, as we reported yesterday, the school district completely caved and um, issued a statement saying he can have the patch uh, on his backpack and we believe that the patch is historically relevant. In fact, it's a teachable moment for kids because it does uh, involve and date back to the founding of uh, the United States from the original 13 colonies, et cetera, et cetera. So total vindication. Um, here's what Jaden said on a TikTok that he made, cut number 11. Hey, guys. Um, today was a good day, um, kind of. When I got to school, the kids were really hyped up because um, they saw me on Twitter and kids are putting don't tread on me on their locker. Well, at least um, my new made friends because uh, I'm big on Twitter and now they like me all of a sudden. But the teachers, on the other hand, I got some dirty looks, that's for sure. Um, I, they're definitely not happy with me. But other than that, it was pretty good. Um, I was on the Charlie Kirk show, and Ben Shapiro had me. It was a really good day, in my opinion. Well, um, have a good day, y'all. Um, two thoughts. Uh, first, by the way, wait till he gets to college. If he thinks the teachers are giving him dirty looks now, Jaden, wait till you get to college with these beliefs. But two thoughts. Uh, first, um, and, and you probably already thought of this, but I just wanted to make sure we say it. This story would have gone very differently if the mom had not recorded the meeting. So she sets her phone on record, captures the insanity 
and inanity of the district of the uh, school administrators' response, and, and and this is something that has to happen. Um, we have to have them on tape, on video. It has to it has to go viral. I'm I'm convinced the school caved because of that, or at least caved so quickly because of that. The other thing I would just note is this boy is 12 years old, and he is taking a more principled and brave stand than most of the adults who run for president of the United States. He should inspire us, and he should shame us. Because something apparently went right with his upbringing or his home life, I don't know. But he's standing clearly and cleanly and saying, look, you gotta, you got to stand up for what you believe in. And I know that. We have people that want to lead this country. Can't do it. Don't do it. Get it on video. Get it on tape. I haven't talked about this much. I know you've probably heard about it, uh, but they're really coming after uh, Supreme Court Associate Justice Clarence Thomas. Um, they're trying to get him, I think, to either resign or to initiate impeachment against Justice Thomas. The allegation is that he took gifts, accepted private plane rides, and stayed in people's guest rooms and so forth of these wealthy uh, admirers of his. And the Supreme Court justices have financial disclosure requirements and forms they release each year, as do, for example, members of Congress. Um, and he has now released his 2022 uh, financial disclosure, and it shows compliance with the rules. It shows that, that um, despite uh, allegations that he violated ethics rules or accepted uh, inappropriate uh, things of value, um, he did not. I mean, he, he definitely has well-to-do friends, as you would expect somebody that's been in Washington for decades to have. Um, and they are always eager to have him on their private jet, at, you know, in their, in their seats at the football game, uh, at their, you know, hunting and fishing lodge, et cetera, et cetera. Those things are not against the rules. And when you think about this, we have members of Congress that should have sponsor patches on their suits. They're so beholden and compromised. Um, it, it is not even close with the Supreme Court in terms of the conflict of interest. But it, I, I was thinking about what a principled and courageous man he has been and for such a long time. And so I wanted to play, we, we have not heard this in a long time, I wanted to play this moment from his 1991 a confirmation hearing, you'll hear the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Senator Joe Biden, and Clarence Thomas in his own words. Cut number 12. Committee will please come to order. Judge, it's a tough day and tough night for you, I know. Let me uh, ask, do you have anything you'd like to say before we begin? I understand that uh, your preference is, uh, which is totally and completely understandable, that we go one hour tonight, 30 minutes on each side. Is Am I correct in that? That's right. Do you have anything you'd like to say? Senator, I would like to start by saying unequivocally 
uncategorically that I deny each and every single allegation against me today that suggested in any way that I had conversations of a sexual nature or about pornographic material with Anita Hill, that I ever attempted to date her, that I ever had any personal sexual interest in her, or that I in any way ever harassed her. A second, and I think more important point, I think that this today is a travesty. I think that it is disgusting. I think that this hearing should never occur in America. This is a case in which this sleaze, this dirt, was searched for by staffers of members of this committee, was then leaked to the media, and this committee and this body validated it and displayed it at prime time over our entire nation. How would any member on this committee, any person in this room, or any person in this country would like sleaze said about him or her in this fashion? Or this dirt dredged up in this gossip and these lies displayed in this manner? How would any person like it? The Supreme Court is not worth it. No job is worth it. I'm not here for that. I'm here for my name, my family, my life, and my integrity. I think something is dreadfully wrong with this country when any person, any person in this free country would be subjected to this. This is not a closed room. There was an FBI investigation. This is not an opportunity to talk about difficult matters privately or in a closed environment. This is a circus. It's a national disgrace. And from my standpoint, as a black American, as far as I'm concerned, it is a high-tech lynching for uppity blacks who in any way deign to think for themselves, to do for themselves, to have different ideas. And it is a message that unless you kowtow to an old order, this is what will happen to you. You will be lynched, destroyed, caricatured by a committee of the U.S. U.S. Senate rather than hung from a tree. And he's looking right at Joe Biden, right in the eyes, while he's saying this three-and-a-half-minute statement. And um, two things. First, um, they never stopped trying to get him, and they haven't stopped to this day, and they're trying to get him now. And the other thing is, um, if you think about the Supreme Court, the makeup of it, his role on it, I would argue that Clarence Thomas is defending this country, defending our freedoms, you and mine, yours and mine, as much as any soldier with a rifle in his hands anywhere in the world right now. So if you're a praying person, pray for him. Pray hard. A man in Timberwood, 
Park says that uh, on the next door app says that his latest water bill was, and he showed a screen cap of it, two hundred forty seven thousand eight hundred sixty six oh five. He says I'm single, <laughs> and the water is turned off most of the time. So what would you do? I, first of all, I can tell you what I would do. I would I would have a heart attack and die. I would be dead. They would find me in rigor mortis with the bill clenched in my cold, lifeless hand. Fortunately, this man did not have a massive coronary. Um, he called them, and they told him, you must have a leak. Now think about for a minute what, what a leak of that much water would look like. I mean, if you have a leak from your from your you know from the street to your house the telltale signs are things like it's muddy the grass is super green around that leak et cetera et cetera sometimes foundation shift a quarter of a million dollars worth of water in a month his house would be floating you'd you'd have to have a drawbridge to get into the house you'd have to You'd have to, you know, you'd have to, you'd have to take a rowboat to get into the house. $250,000. He has a leak. So he hired a company, a leak detection company. No leak. And at this point, he, he tells the story. He got a lot of attitude and sort of that, well, we'll have to get back to you kind of thing. I, I guess I'm just curious, has anybody gotten a, a, a bill that crazy, or maybe not that crazy, but a bill that as soon as you opened it, you knew was wrong? Because it's one thing for it to be more than you expect. We're all getting a lot of bills these days that are more than we thought they would be or hoped they would be. But um, what, what's, what's been your experience as far as getting a bill that you knew could not be right? I understand all this stuff is automated, but I guess in my caveman thinking, I would think that, is there not like some algorithm, if there isn't an actual person reviewing these things, is there not some sort of algorithm that says, well, wait a minute, we're about to bill a residential customer a quarter of a million dollars. You know, it's not, that that probably is is too much even for a an industrial user, but let's say an industrial user might have a bill that's, you know, five figures. Okay. But we see that it's an industrial user. We see that it's a it's the you know UTSA or it's it's uh, you know Valero or it's okay. This we understand U- USAA. This we understand. This is this is a person living in a house. Quarter of a million dollars. What would you do? Has this ever happened to you? Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Um, and then it makes you wonder, like, okay, so even when I get my bill and I think, all right, well, this is probably right because, um, yeah, you know, I am watering once a week and stuff. And now, now it makes you wonder, well, should I even trust that? Like, is that even right? Like, I presume my bill is going to be, you know, triple the normal amount in the summer. But if, you, if they're making a mistake like this and not catching it and not owning up to it when it is brought to them, uh, then it, it calls into question everything. And, of course, we've had stories in the past where people have complained about the 
cost averaging that they do, and there's also complaints about CPS in, in this regard. But I'm just curious if you've had a water bill that was out of whack and what you, what your thoughts were, what your reaction was, what you did with it, 210-599-5555. There's a story today that the um, one of the congressional physicians has evaluated Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. His name is Brian Monahan, and he's one of the physicians that works for Congress. After evaluating yesterday's incident, that was the incident where Senator McConnell froze up in front of reporters. After evaluating yesterday's incident, I have informed Leader McConnell that he is medically clear to continue with his schedule and workload as planned. Occasional lightheadedness is not uncommon in concussion recovery and can also be expected as a result of dehydration. i got to be honest, I don't know this Dr. Monahan, but I wouldn't want my kid to see Dr. Monahan. I wouldn't want my mom to see Dr. Monahan. You're either inept or corrupt if you're telling me there's nothing wrong with Mitch McConnell and he can work and he can do the incredibly vital job that he does that involves spending trillions of dollars and passing legislation that touches every man, woman, and child in this country. This is where it becomes difficult to follow the science, you know? Like, follow the science, trust the medical establishment. That's been the mantra for years, right? Any doctor that says McConnell is okay is not okay him or herself. Any doctor that says Biden is okay And there's a book out now about Joe Biden and whether or not he's up to it. And it's not really that. They're making it out in the media like it's a bombshell book. It's it's a book that, that has some gossipy stuff in it about Biden to the effect that he is apparently conceded privately to, you know, people that he gets tired, which of course he does. (laughs) It's not really a headline. Um, but, you know, it might have something to, you know, if you want to, if you want to know why the public is resistant to the so-called science, if you want to know why the public is distrustful of all the new scaremongering about COVID, when we see something like Mitch McConnell's fine, uh, Joe Biden is a hale and hearty 80-year-old, we know that's not true. We may not know exactly what is plaguing them or the names of the conditions they have, but we know that's not true. So when people in white coats are telling us stuff about COVID and our kids and masks and get the shot, we're cynical about it. We don't look at that as expertise anymore. We look at it as grifting. I want to talk about that too. Uh, 210-599-5555. And yeah, a man in Timberwood Park, posted on the next door app that when he opened his latest saws bill it was two hundred and fifty thousand dollars he does not have a leak he does not have a pool he lives alone and saws is dragging its feet uh what do you think about this cindy is on ktsa cindy good afternoon good afternoon nice to talk to you yeah same here um, i received i received a bill in 2018 for over two thousand dollars it had rained the whole month of September. Of course, we got the bill in October, but we had no idea that there was a leak because it was wet outside the whole mm. time. 
Well, mm-hmm. of course, you know, they say that our side, your side, my husband, who was wheelchair bound at the time and died, you know, that way also, he had to go out there, dig the hole, dig it all out. My daughter went out there. I went out there. We found the leak, and they said it was on our side, so we had mm-hmm. to fix it. And he went down there, and they actually literally knocked off about $1,000 because mm-hmm. I think there was a pity of him going in the wheelchair. And then, then I mean, and we're, you know, lower middle class. We're not, you know, rich or anything. But that was outrageous. So we really had to make payment arrangements, and we paid like 80 to to $100 a month for over a year. But they made mm-hmm. us pay it, and mm-hmm. it, was, it was horrible. It really killed us. It was $2,000. Oh and we goodness. don't even use water, not even that much. Yeah. Yeah, what would be your right average monthly bill at that? Like, what would have been your average monthly bill at that time of year? $25 to $40. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm on a septic tank. I'm, I'm in the country, okay. and so it's just plain saws, water. And, yeah. you know, just my husband and I. And we just nearly just, we could not believe it. But he had to go down there. I said, you're going down there. Because if I go down there, they're going to say, oh, no, you're going to have to pay it, this, that, right. and the other. So um, they they knocked off $1,000, but that 250 something thousand, that's outrageous. They know that that's a mistake. It's probably a clerical error is what I'm thinking, but I well, hope that man gets it taken care of. I don't understand why when they see a number that is clearly beyond, you know, they, they have all the records. They know what your average is. They see you month yeah. by month. Why isn't there something in the system or an algorithm or whatever that just flags and says, "Hey, uh, let's instead of sending this ridiculous bill, which which is just nuts, let's tell this yeah. person you, you've you've got a leak," uh, and, and then I, I get that it's my responsibility if it's on my property. But by the same token, you shouldn't treat me the same way you would treat a guy that just waters his lawn every day and 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 ignores the you know restrictions and you know what I mean. Like it's if you're if you're having a leak, you're not getting any benefit from the water. It's not like your lawn is greener or you're swimming in right, it. You know, like you didn't get to use it. Water. Yeah, you're hold, not using you know, it. Hold it. <laughs> but the, yeah. and the other thing is, not only is it the oak, you know, it's, they charge you for the overage. Like you have a standard. You know, that line, your bill is usually this. Mm-hmm. But then you start mm-hmm. going over, like, your CPS bill, if you go over a certain amount, they start charging right. you more per unit, yeah. which is outrageous, too. I mean, I, it's just outrageous. Cindy, I'm, I'm outrageous. sorry that you went through that, especially when your husband was in such such a state. I'm, I'm sorry for him, and I'm sorry for you, but I appreciate your calling us. Thank you. Um, I, I guess I would just like to think that even in our era of automation and artificial intelligence, there might be be a little bit of humanity, compassion, common sense. Hey, there's no way anybody could you, you probably couldn't get you probably couldn't get $250,000 worth of water through a pipe the size of the one going into his house in a month's time. Like if everything was open full up, full on, you know, like you just open every tap, you just got it going full force, you know, rattling the pipes. You you probably couldn't move that much water. And and here's the other thing. Um, when people see a story like this, okay, your bill is not that high. And maybe you, you thought when you looked at your bill initially, it's like, oh, okay, well, it's summer, it's dry, I'm having to water more, I'm having to hand water, I'm running my, if I have irrigation, I'm running my, 
But but then you start to wonder, well, okay, when I when I recognize that it's higher and I presume it's higher because of the weather and the time of year, what if that's not right either? Like what if my $140 bill is wrong? And and I think that's you're I think there's going to be more, you know, skepticism and cynicism because we 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 see here clearly that they don't have any handle on this. And you should not have to prove that you did not use a quarter of a million dollars worth of water. That is sublimely ridiculous, I think. Tell me what you think. 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. We were talking about follow the science. Uh, there's a story uh, today, um, or I saw it this week, actually. It's, it's from Belgium. And they did an analysis of 39 brands of paper and bamboo drinking straws. Now, I don't know if you follow this or not, but a, a couple of years ago, we had a great plastic straw panic in this country. Plastic straws are killing the, the planet. They're choking the turtles. They're bad for, for you know, the oceans. Uh, they're contributing to our plastic uh, waste. And we've got immediately... We've got to convert to paper straws. Paper straws have been around for a long time. They've always been considered kind of inferior to plastic straws. They get soggy. They have a funny taste, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So big fast food companies and chains and restaurants all went to the paper straw thing and and did a lot of posturing about it. You know, look at us. We're so good. So this Belgian study shows that most of these paper and bamboo straws have what are called PFAS, which are also nicknamed forever chemicals. It's a, it's a family of synthetic chemicals that they use to coat these straws, and they have to coat the straws because the straws would turn to pulp if they didn't coat them. You know, you put paper in water, right? So the straws, in order to make them somewhat rigid, somewhat usable, have PFAS. Now, CDC and WHO have been warning about PFAS for years. They have web pages devoted to the dangers. We don't even know all the things that these things might do, these chemicals might do to the human body. So now that we know that the paper straws are full of PFAS, you would think that they would be urging a rapid emergency return to plastic straws. But this is the thing about the environmentalism uh, or environmental alarmism of our times. Not only do they rush out imperfect solutions and proposals, but they don't know how to climb down from them. Like they can't climb down from any of the things that have been proven wrong about the COVID response. They're, they're not able to climb down on the straws. They're not able to climb. They, once they ramp up the, you know, alarm, go to, you know, code red, they don't know how to come back. They don't have the humility to say, wait a minute, we made a mistake. Don't do this, do that. And plastic straws make up virtually none of our plastic pollution. But what we've essentially done is made a downgrade. We've gone to something that is inferior, that is less satisfying to use, and that now, as it turns out, may be more dangerous to use. And so when I look at this, and I look at McConnell, and I look at the CNN reporting on the, you know, oh, well, they're having a hurricane in Florida because they have a fossil fuel economy. 
How do you follow science when this is science? How do you follow science when the scientists seem like superstitious cult leaders? You know, these days, declaring you believe in science is a kind of almost religious ritual. Like It's like crossing yourself. You're signaling when you say, I believe in science, I have faith in science, I follow science. You're signaling your loyalty to and membership in this church of Fauci worship, right? And of course, if we disagree with the interpretation of or the policy based on science, then we're, you know, mouth-breathing, knuckle-dragging, you know, numbskulls. But, but I mean, this is the science you are being urged to follow and put your faith in. It would be nice to see more accuracy, more proof, and an ability to correct when a mistake is made. That's the knock people have against organized religion. I, I happen to belong to a church, but when, when you listen to um, people that are atheist or agnostic, one of the things they'll say is, well, these organized churches and religions, they don't they can never admit they were wrong, or they can never admit that they're fallible. Okay. Isn't this a church, in a way, that can never admit it's wrong? Can never be fallible? And I guess if you don't believe that McConnell is fine, and Biden is fine, and paper straws are great, and DeSantis is, the, is to blame for the hurricane, I guess if you don't believe those things, then you don't believe in science. That's basically what they're saying. Uh, this is nice. I think this is tonight, uh, if I'm reading this right. Uh, CBS is giving the late game show host Bob Barker a last run on television with a primetime tribute special that will air on the network Thursday night, which would be tonight. Uh, the Price is Right, a tribute to Bob Barker, should be on at 7 o'clock Central Time and will also be replayed Labor Day in the game show's regular time slot in the morning. So I guess that would be on Ken's tonight if I'm reading this right. Bob Barker fan. We uh, we had the clip earlier of Corinne Jean Pierre talking about how um, they've got the border locked down and and covered. Do we still have that done? That's um, cut five, right? Where she's saying we've got the the flow under control. Okay, cut five. Eric Adams, the New York mayor, is saying about these migrants uh, in New York City. Any plan that does not include stopping the flow at the border is a failed plan. So why aren't you guys stopping the flow at the border? We are stopping the flow at the border. If anything, the, what the president has been able to do on his own without the help of Republicans in Congress, something that he had to do on his own again because Republicans refuse uh, to give the funding necessary to deal with a situation, uh, immig a broken immigration system that has been broken for decades. They choose, what they choose to do is play politics, but the, the president has put a plan that is indeed, uh, the data showing is that it is indeed uh, um, stopping, slowing down the flow uh, of unlawful <laughs> migration, and that is because of the work that this president continues to do without, without the help of Republicans. What a time we live in when you can brag about how you've slowed down the flow of illegal immigration. That's, uh, is the patient still bleeding? Yeah, but we've slowed it down. Um, both both parties play politics with with the border and with illegal immigration. We know that. They both 
fundraised the hell out of it. She knows what she's saying is not true. And she knows, look, you can't, both things can't be true. You can't have the border under control and have blue state mayors and governors, and he mentioned in his question Eric Adams of New York City, you you can't have both things be true. We've got it under control, and, and the, city, the blue cities and states have migration emergencies, right? They both can't be true. Even if you wanted to argue, well, Jack, they've got it under control now, and the migration emergencies are a function of the people that came in before they got it under control, because now it's under control. Okay, even if you wanted to say that, and I don't believe that, but even if you wanted to say that, then all you'd have to say to Eric Adams is, hey, hang tight, buddy, because there won't be any more. It's as bad as it's going to get. But they're not telling them that, and he's not saying that, and they know that's not true. Mark my words, though. Something is going to happen between now and the election, because the the party in power always tacks to the center right before an election. So whether it's Republicans or Democrats, whether it's Trump or Biden, the the political party in power in the in the power of the presidency always kind of tries to occupy a little more centrist ground. Tries to because uh, you have to appeal to that that group that swing group of voters, right? Forget about swing states. I'm talking about swing voters that are kind of like not aligned with either party, a pox on both their houses, or I don't really follow politics, but now it's a week before the election. I have to decide who I'm going to vote for. You know, you probably have friends, right, who don't talk about this stuff, don't participate in conversations about it when you're together, and then they come to you because they know you listen to talk radio and you're very up on all this. You probably know someone that says, hey, uh, you know, Bill, who should I vote for? Uh, hey, uh, Susan, who, who, who are you going to vote for? Who do you think I should vote for? They, they tack to the center for people like that. And so I think what's going to happen, and I don't even think, I know what's going to happen, is you're going to see uh, Marshal Joe Biden, Sheriff Joe Biden, he's going to get all up, in his on his big steed and come down to the border six shooters on his hips and we're going to get this now we're serious this is not going to stand and we're going to put our foot we this is a great country and we have to have a secure border and uh, i have heard you and it will be a wink and a nod to the base the base will have been told don't worry he's not suddenly becoming trump but you watch they will all of a sudden and, and you'll hear it from KJP, and you'll hear it from Biden, you'll hear it from Mayorkas. All of a sudden, they'll be tough guys just for, a, you know, a few months to win the election. I don't know if it'll work this time, but stuff like that has always worked before for the party in power. 210-599-5555. Speaking of uh, President Robin Ware, that's one of his names, right? Um, Robin Ware... J.R.B. Ware, Robert L. Peters. Um, you know, they, they, there was a story in the Wall Street Journal about the the secret email uh, pseudonyms and the uh, emails sent from accounts that Joe Biden maintained while he was vice president, and that's the that's the language that uh, that they used. Um, Wall Street Journal 
private accounts that Joe Biden maintained while vice president, I don't think he maintained them. I mean, I'm a lot younger than Joe Biden, and I need help with stuff. Like, I, I have, like, IT guy friends, you know, like, I call them up and I go, I don't know how to do this. Can you, you know, walk me through it, or can you come over some night and fix this thing on my laptop or whatever? I, 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 I promise you, if you want to unravel the mystery of President Robin Ware, just we need to just find whoever it is that, that helps him, you know, and did this stuff for him because it wasn't him and whoever it is can be can be rolled because they don't want to go down for this they don't want to get in trouble you know they may be very loyal to him but loyalty has its limits i hope they're looking at this because that's that's going to be the way you crack this there was also a story today um hunter biden involved in planning a state luncheon with chinese officials at the white house months before he traveled to the country to secure a lucrative deal with Chinese government-aligned companies. It says emails obtained by America's first legal AFL. So they did a request to the National Archives. They got their hands on hundreds and hundreds of emails between Hunter and his Rosemont company, the office of the vice president. And I will, I'll just summarize it. Basically, even though Hunter Biden is always described by the White House as not being an official of the government, not being a member of the administration. It says in these emails that he is putting together the guest list for the Chinese state luncheon event held on January 19th, 2011. Does Hunter Biden seem like a party planning kind of guy to you? I mean, he seems like a party guy to me. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would want to make seating charts or, um, you know, fold napkins doesn't seem like a guy that would get really into, um, you know, meeting with the caterers or uh, figuring out what the dessert should be. And, of course, he wasn't. This is another one of those stories that you just want to say to your, you know, Biden-supporting friends and family members, are you seriously going to pretend this is okay? Are you are you seriously going to pretend that this is, that there's not, that, that, that there's any possible benign explanation for this just like you know biden having the email pseudonyms gosh i'm so old i remember when hillary clinton uh, had a private email server at least she used her name on it you know at least she was hillary on it she wasn't she wasn't robin ware <laughs> or whatever like i don't even know like how did they come up with the the pseudonyms right have we checked with Trey yet? Trey must be furious. I would be furious if I was him. God, go about minding your own business one day, and then Joe Biden steals your name. Unbelievable. Don, you just mentioned, and I saw it too, there's a story today about how the uh, that guy Prigozhin uh, from the Wagner Group that uh, was crosswise with Vladimir Putin mm-hmm. and was supposedly killed in that plane crash, and th- the CIA is saying... Uh, there's not evidence that the plane was shot down, but there is evidence that the plane was sabotaged or blown up. Um, now there's a video of him talking about how he's okay and uh, stuff like that. Right? Like, don't, don't, don't believe you hear stories about or threats about me. But we, we, we think that video was made before the plane crash, right? That's what they're saying. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was a couple of days before. On the other hand, because I read a lot of these, you know, spy thrillers and stuff, 
it, it would make sense for him to have faked his death. I mean, wouldn't he be wouldn't he be in a better position if everyone thought he was dead? Well, there was word I I had read um, the day or that evening I think of uh, when that crash happened that it was possible that there was a possible chance that that plane that that crashed was a decoy and that he was mm-hmm. in a, in a separate plane. So that that is kind of part of the conspiracy that's or one just, of the conspiracies. Yeah, I mean, I would think a guy like him would be so um, there'd be so many layers of like protection and detection that he would be hard to get at. Um, and yet, at the same time, I would also think that um, it would be very smart and effective to stage. You know, stage your death, or let it let them let everybody think they killed you. Even if Putin knows they didn't, you're better off if people think you're you're not around anymore. There was even one of the James Bond movies starts with that premise. Remember one of the James Bond movies? I think it's one with Roger Moore. Start they fake his death so that um, I think it's might be the man with the golden gun. You might be right. I think you're right. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I think you're right. And they have a burial at sea, and the you know the the bad guys are spying, and they see his body because he's a navy commander. That's his rank, and they they see that they've buried him at sea, and they see the article in the Hong Kong newspaper: British Navy commander killed, and, and that's how he's able to work on his next case. And we all know that, of course, life follows the James Bond movie themes uh, very closely. Um, then I started thinking: so let's say Prigozhin was on that plane. Done, okay? Let's say that he was on that plane. I think I know where you're going with this. You know what would have saved him? <laughs> this is what he needed if he was on that plane. Mm-hmm. Cut number nine. I'm telling you, I'm getting the f*** off, and there's a reason why I'm getting the f*** off, and everyone can either believe it or they cannot believe it. I don't give two f- Pergosian would have gotten right. He would have been right behind her. Uh, they caught up. TMZ caught up with her. Her name is Tiffany Gomez. Uh, they caught up with her at the airport recently. <laughs> yes, I know. It's hard to believe she was at the airport. Um, here's how that went. Cut number eight. Listen, I mean, I got to ask you, how does it feel to be traveling again? Great. You know, in the airport again <laughs> after what you went through? A little bit of anxiety. But, A little bit. Uh, it's been good. As, uh, are you doing anything differently, like you know, when you, when you're getting ready to travel, or when you're, was there any any any, <laughs> any new techniques you use? No. No. <laughs> no. But a lot of people are curious. What exactly you saw? Because because you know you were, you alluded to what you saw, but like we just want to know, like you know what. Yeah. What did you see? Um, I mean, thanks for asking that, um, but I have been told I cannot comment on it right now. I see. I see. I'm sorry. Are, are you going to, like, you know, have a full kind of interview somewhere? Or, like, what's going on? What's the deal? What's the, the plan on? The going, I feel like it's going to have to happen. Yeah. Um, so, yes, there will be, there's some things in the works, mostly nonprofit charity stuff. Um, but 
we've really been, I've been trying to like lay low for the most part, but reporters wouldn't let that happen, so. Yeah. Well, like I was somewhat strong-armed into speaking, and uh, now here we are. Well, well, I do, I do want to know. Like, I mean, you won't say to me what what you saw right now. Yeah. You can't. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. Well, but what about, like, what was the reason that you wanted to get off so bad? Um, again, can't speak on that right now. But um, I was distressed, and I was getting off the plane no matter what. I just probably didn't need to make the scene that I made. Right, um, right, right. But I was getting off that plane. For sure. Right. And you stand by that, like, even now. 100%. Uh, it's weird, isn't it? She kind of sounds like a nice person. I know we all had our fun with it when it happened. Um, I'm a little puzzled by what kind of nonprofit or charity work she could do. Like, I know when you become famous, I don't know, but I have observed that when you become famous, um, sometimes there's value in your fame to, like, groups that, you know, maybe feature you at an event or, you know, um, charge people so much to be at an event with you or you could be a speaker at a fundraiser or, but I don't know what, how would you use Tiffany Gomez to raise money for a charity? I mean, that seems a little, trying to figure out, I'm not a good event planner, but I'm trying to figure out how being the lady that dropped F-bombs and when charging off the airplane would, would work for like your nonprofit uh, charity group. I, I guess they're going to figure it out. So be prepared to get hit up for some money at some point soon. So imagine now if she's at the airport, I guess that means she's getting on a plane. Sounded like she was, right? Imagine being on the seat. Uh, imagine being on the plane and she's in the seat next to you. <laughs> you know, I'm always like, you, you do this, right? When you're sitting on the plane, you get on the plane, you. Are watching the people come down the aisle. I do. I don't know. Maybe it's only me. I'm. I'm. I'm watching everybody come down the aisle, and I'm picking out who I hope it'll be and who I who who I hope it won't be. You know, and I admit I'm totally shallow and superficial about that. I, I'm, I'll admit it. I think I'm not the only one. But imagine if you recognized her, and she was going to be your seatmate. What? I'd be like, man. What? I got to look real. <laughs> What fun would I sure it be? Hope if, I look real. What fun would it be if everyone on the plane recognized her and pointed oh. her way and said, "She oh. cannot be real. We went off the plane." Oh no, she's so real. It's aggravating to have gotten this wrong, but a number of you and I thank I thank everybody that emailed and reached out on Messenger to correct me about the Bond movie because how could I get that wrong? It's it's actually not. Uh, the movie I mentioned, which is The Man with the Golden Gun, which is a Roger Moore movie. It's You Only Live Twice, which is a Sean Connery Bond movie, in which at the beginning of the movie, uh, the false impression is given that James Bond is dead, has been killed, so that he may operate uh, more freely on the case that they then give him to work on. And I think what I crossed up, you've seen both of these movies, Don, right? Anyway, um, anyway, the uh, in the in the in the uh, Roger Moore movie, he gets a bullet with his name on it, and they warn him this assassin is going to try to kill him. And I crossed that up in my mind with the "You Only Live Twice." So thank you, everybody. I love that we have so many James Bond fans. I'm just chagrined that I'm not a good enough fan to have gotten that right or remembered that. But anyway, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Um, I love this story. If you heard this story this week about Burger King, Burger King is being sued um, because 
somebody felt that the actual Whopper doesn't look like the Whopper in the marketing for the Whopper. Um, they tried to get it thrown out of court, and they uh, were unsuccessful. Burger King will have to defend against claims that its depiction of Whoppers on in-store menu boards and marketing misleads reasonable customers. The burger place has been advertising its signature Whoppers to make them appear approximately 35% larger in size and contain more than double the meat than the actual burger. They began to materially overstate the size of the burgers in ads beginning in September of 2017, which I guess would make it Trump's fault. Another thing that happened while Trump was president. Uh, The plaintiffs allege that the company shows its burgers contain ingredients that overflow the bun. This is where we would queue up Clara Peller, right? Where's the beef? Uh, Burgers contain ingredients that overflow the bun to make it appear as if the customer will get more burger for their buck. Burger King responded by arguing it is not required to serve burgers that look exactly like the picture. I am going to side, and I don't even go to Burger King. I I have nothing against it. I just haven't been to a Burger King since, I don't know, I was like a teenager or something. But I'm going to side with Burger King on this, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I don't know any fast food chain. I don't know any chain restaurant whose food looks as good in person as it does in their advertising. And I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about television and billboards and the the menu cards and the pictures in the restaurant. I mean everything. I mean anywhere and everywhere that they show their food. I don't know any chain where there isn't a lot of, I don't know, what they do. What do they do? They stage those photographs, right? I mean, isn't, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there a subset of professional photography called food photographers? There is. And they have, like, the talent, the skills. They know about lighting and angles and brushing the bun with vegetable oil and all this stuff that makes food look visually more appealing and and uh, desirable. I mean, don't don't companies hire such photographers with such skills to depict the food in the best possible light. So can we all just be adults here and say that we know it won't look like that when it comes to your drive-through window or your table or, you know, I mean, as long, I mean, if I order a burger with cheese and pickles and onions, then just give me a burger with cheese, pickles, and onions. I, there's no way it's going to look like the picture. Who thinks that? 210-599-5555. Who thinks that? I mean, I'll give you one example, and I'm not picking on them. But have you ever looked at the pictures of the food at Sonic? Have you ever had anything at Sonic that looked anything like those pictures? I mean, even even a little? No. But if you go to Sonic a few times, you kind of like get the, okay, I get this. It's not going to look like that. I'm telling you, all the burger chains, all the fast food chains, all the chicken places, if it's a chain restaurant, if it's a big corporate deal, the pictures of the food are going to be sexier. They're going to look better in the pictures than they're going to look in person. That doesn't mean they're awful. It doesn't mean they're gross. It doesn't mean they're inedible. 
But do we not know? This seems like a frivolous lawsuit. This seems like a stupid thing to be suing over. This is like when they were saying the subway sub was only 11 inches or something. I mean, I, I mean, just, I don't know. Have we solved all the other problems? 210-599-5555. So full disclosure, I'm not really a Burger King. I, actually, I shouldn't even say I'm not a fan. It's been so long since I had Burger King, I don't even remember if I liked it or not. You know, there aren't that many of them. You know, I I know of a couple near me. It just never occurs to me to go there. Uh, so I'm not sticking up for them because I have this thing for Burger King. But the people bringing the lawsuit sound like ambulance chasers to me. This just sounds like a like a high-profile, splashy, we'll get some, you know, we'll promote our law firm. Hopefully we'll get some big cases out of this. They claim... <clears throat> These two lawyers claim that they have over 100 plaintiffs who were deceived by the Burger King advertising. They're claiming there's over 100 people. They have found over 100 people who really thought the food would look like the picture. I don't know who this would be. Are these people that just arrived in this country? Are these people that um, come from a place that doesn't have Fast food hamburgers, they all do it. They all do it. I mean, I, I, name, name a fast food chain whose food looks exactly like it does in the pictures. You know who baby comes the closest? Maybe, but I'm not going to say 100%. Maybe Chick-fil-A. I'll, I'll, I'll say that a Chick-fil-A sandwich is pretty close to what the pictures show but don't we know that the the food is like it's like it's like when you meet i'll give you an example that's weird but bear with me when you meet somebody that you've seen on television or you've watched regularly on television you know you're out somewhere and you know here's a tv news anchor from you know ksat or here's a Here's the weather guy from, uh, you know, KABB or whatever. You, you know how it is to see TV people without the makeup, without the lighting. I mean, they're still good looking, but they do look different, right? You know that, that there's enhancements and lighting and makeup and filters and you know that, right? Nobody goes up to some TV person at Starbucks and goes, well, you don't, what's the thing? you don't look anything like you do on television. What? I've been deceived. The food in those pictures has been worked on. It's been massaged, manipulated, positioned. Right? Right? Of course it looks better than in person. And that hamburger they made for the Burger King ad, you can be damn sure some minimum wage 16 year old didn't make it right i mean this is going to be our whopper photograph that we're going to use all over the world they probably have some senior consultant chef guy make that whopper and they align the you know they're twisting and turning and aligning the buns and the lettuce so turn that lettuce a little bit and let's get the fattest juiciest slice of tomato and you know i mean so who would who would seriously with a straight face go I'm I'm sending this back because it doesn't look like the picture I just can't believe that 
You know what this also reminded me of? And let's just be honest, I'm not the only one that thought this. So don't look at your radio in shock. Burger King is a heck of a lot more honest than most people on dating websites. I mean, come on. I don't know if you've ever used them, but you know how often people use an old photograph. Of, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, this I looked like this 10 years ago. Or they show just like a corner of their face so that you don't know they weigh 350 pounds. Or something, you know. And then you meet them and, oh, what, what is, what's going on here? I know you're not supposed to say this. We're not supposed to body shame and all that. But I, I speak for those of us that are shallow and yet honest. Uh, Burger King and fast food places are way more honest than a lot of people on Tinder, right? I mean, we know this. But I don't know. I mean, when it comes to the hamburgers, like you go to a fast food hamburger, you're not at a, you're not at a, at a gourmet restaurant, right? So you're not expecting a masterpiece. No one's thinking, I'm about to bite into the best hamburger I've ever had. I'm at Burger King. I'm at McDonald's. You know, I, I, it is what it is. Should they be able to sue over the photographs? David is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. David, good afternoon. I, I, Jack, I just want you to know that every time I go to Burger King or Wendy's or Whataburger, I know for a fact the, the chef back there, he cooks my burger and then he like piles all the ingredients in the air and just lets them fall gently onto the, the, the patty in perfect order. <laughs> in every slow motion. single time. That's what happens, man. <laughs> While music and, plays, and when you go to yeah. Outback Steakhouse, they drop mm-hmm. the the steak on there in just the right way. For, I mean, but in in answer to your your earlier question, obviously no, we can't be adults about this, as any number of current events uh, will testify. That's that's gone out the window. They should throw this Remember lawsuit when, when they used out. to talk about passing laws to prevent yes. frivolous lawsuits. Yes, yes. This is a frivolous lawsuit. Absolutely. The definition of one, I think. I, yeah. No, I, 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 agree. I totally agree. And shame on these lawyers who are just looking for attention and publicity, and I guess we're giving it to them. But, David, thank you. Uh, Deborah is on the Jack Riccardi Show. Hi, Deborah. Hi. So what do you think, Deborah? Should uh, these people be suing Burger King because the Whopper they got doesn't look like the Whopper in the picture? No, I don't think that at all. But I know that my husband, easygoing person, one day yeah. went into yeah. a Burger King and got his hamburger and flipped out and went back and said, this is not, this does not look like that picture. I want hmm. my hamburger to look like that picture. And they hmm. did it for him. What do you mean and they did it for him? What did they do? They did the lettuce differently. They did the tomato differently. It wasn't just slapped on there like they mm. do now. But Burger King used to have really good burgers, and they don't so, anymore. So are you saying that if I go into a Burger King and I say, not only do I want the num I don't know what their combos are, not only do I want the number two combo, but I want it to look like the photograph, 
if I say it that way, like I special order it, they might actually go to extra trouble to make it look like the photograph? Yeah, I'm sure it depends on which uh, one you go to. Some people are more cooperative than others, but mm. I think they would. Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe that's what people will do now. Maybe maybe that'll become like a way of special ordering, like people right now have, you know, they have off-menu ordering, and I, I, please make it, but hold this, hold that. Maybe that'll be a way to order. You'll say, hey, I want it like the food. But you know what? Honest to God, you're, you're at a fast food place. You're going to eat it. You know, in a few minutes, it's going to be in your tummy. As long as they put on what they were supposed to put on, you of course you should send it back. If you said hold the onions and they put onions, or if you asked for you know, double meat, and you only got a single patty. Of course, I'm not saying you should take a mistake, but eat it the way it comes because you're you're at Burger King, okay? You're not Anthony Bourdain, all right? And, and I mean, enough already. Move on with your day. If you want a better burger, you have to go to a better burger place. You know, don't call a lawyer. I mean, come on. 210-599-5555. Uh, Chase is on the Jack Riccardi Show. Hi, Chase. Hey, how's it going, Jack? Hey, I had my thoughts are that there are better reasons to sue. I went to a burger place, and they forgot the meat. And, uh, you know, that would be a, re- a better reason. Mm. And I, I, it's absolutely the, the, the true story. They forgot the meat on the, on the bun mm. and they gave it to mm-hmm. us to spread. So I think there are other reasons to sue, not because mm-hmm. the picture and it doesn't uh, look the same as the. Yeah, but I mean, if you don't the get figure. the meat, you send it back and you tell them you didn't get the meat. You don't call a lawyer. No, absolutely. Um, but it was a drive-through, so we had to go back and you know the whole. Yeah. But I'm glad they didn't forget the buns either. So that was good. So I'm. That's happy right. With that. Never forget the buns. Always remember the yeah. buns. Um, I still say I still say a much better uh, lawsuit uh, would be somebody to sue Tinder or one of these dating websites. That needs to happen. There's massive fraud there. There's the, the, this is this is a national scandal. I'm I'm waiting for Vivek Ramaswamy to come out and have a position on on Tinder. I think uh, I, I, it's, I'm surprised he hasn't already because you want to talk about the picture doesn't match the product or the product doesn't match the picture. Come on now, come on. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you probably know someone who knows what I'm talking about. You probably know someone. You may be very happily married, et cetera, et cetera, but. You know someone who at one time has been on Plenty of Fish, or I can't think of all the names, Match, or I can't think of all the names of them, but um, and just ask anyone who's used a, a dating website, and they got book, Boku stories about horror shows with the picture was not representative, uh, the picture was from 1997, you know, all this stuff. Uh, 210 599 55. So, yeah, there's people suing Burger King, alleging that the actual uh, hamburgers don't match the pictures and that the company was intentionally deceptive. Um, I, I think you can sue if they, if they serve you something that harms you. I think they can, you can sue if they uh, are tampering knowingly and intentionally with your food. Um, I think if you get a unsatisfying hamburger in a fast food hamburger chain restaurant, that's called everyday life. You know, that's just what happens. Sean is on KTSA. Hi, Sean. Hi. I just wanted to let you know, anyone in advertising knows that that food has set out probably for 12 hours and has been photographed. 
they use paint, they yeah. use additives, all yeah. types of things. You would not want to eat that hamburger no. that was photographed. No. Yeah. But I mean, that's the, that's, I mean, there's, there's, so you know, I was talking about this earlier. There's an entire, uh, specialty in professional photography of people that just take food photographs and they do it for restaurants, they do it for magazines, and they know how to, they know all the tricks. They know how to doctor it up and make it shiny and, and make it look, you know, sort of voluptuous. That, they're not the people making them in the back when you go there. Who thinks that? I mean, who honestly thinks that? I think we lost Sean. Sean, thanks for the call. I mean, that would be like if you watch a TV show. Do you think the actors are making up the lines? Like, you watch Law & Order, you think that, like, uh, Mariska Hargitay is actually just saying all that stuff, just ad-libbing it? Uh, do, <laughs> do you not... Do you not know any of the, I mean, do you not know, like, the rules of life? Do you not know, like, people are wearing makeup on television? And How about radio? What's the trickery in radio? Well, I'll tell you what it is. I've said this before. Um, I've had people say to me, you don't sound the same in person as you do on the radio. I'm like, yeah, because they, there's, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of processing equipment uh, between this microphone and you. And every radio station does that. And some do it more than others. I, I don't think it would be totally different, but I can assure you it would be different to hear the voice in person than to hear it over the radio. All businesses, all for-profit enterprises involve some theatrics, right? This is, come on. These, these Burger King plaintiffs, if they, if they even exist, where have they been? How do they get through the day, right? 210-599-5555. I can't even, you, you, when you start to think about it, you start to realize that just everything that is marketed to us is different in reality than in the way it is portrayed. And we, we're not angry about that. We don't even really think about that because it's so second nature and so obvious. So, I don't know. Seems to me like a frivolous lawsuit, and um, I should think by now I would be getting hungry. <laughs> but I'm not, at least not for a whopper. This half hour, the results on our JR poll about plastic or paper straws. So I got a little nostalgic, speaking of straws. I got a little nostalgic. Um, I forget how this came up. Um, oh, I, I think it was when we were talking about um, staying home from school, sick, and watching Bob Barker on The Price is Right. The other day we were talking about that. So anyway... Um, I remembered when I was a kid, you know how you would have chocolate milk, your mom would make chocolate milk, or you would make chocolate milk, and we had that. Um, we did not buy chocolate milk. We made chocolate milk. But anyway, um, we also had something, and I never saw it outside of New England. Did, did you ever have coffee milk? Do you know what coffee milk is? 
And, of course, when you're a kid, wherever you grow up, you just think that whatever you have is universal. But when I left the New England area many years ago, I never saw this stuff again. And it's, it's a syrup called Coffee Time. There were a couple of brands. There was Coffee Time was one of them, and Autocrat was the other brand that you would see. And they sold it in the same part of the store where they had, like, Quick and, um, you know, Ovaltine. And it was syrup, and I don't know what exactly it was, because you don't pay attention as a kid, but I guess it was some kind of concentrate or flavored sweetened syrup. I don't know if there was ever any actual coffee in it, but when you put it in milk and you stirred it, it made the milk taste sort of like coffee ice cream. It was really good. And I got so nostalgic, I looked it up online, and I wound up ordering uh, a bottle of it. It's called Coffee Time Coffee Syrup. Uh, off of Amazon, so it's supposed to come tomorrow. I'll let you know. It's probably going to be one of those things that you know how when you when you get nostalgic about stuff, and then you give in to to the nostalgia. Oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, it doesn't quite live up to the the way you've uh, remembered it. You remembered through rose colored glasses, or you remembered it. You looked back on it maybe with some bias. Anyway, um, so then when I was reading about, you know, I was, I was ordering it and, and figuring out where it was available. Then I remembered, and I read, even read an article about it, there was a thing up there called a cabinet, a drink called a cabinet. And again, let me ask you, do, do, have you ever had a cabinet? Has anyone ever said that to you? And a cabinet, if you say it in Rhode Island or Massachusetts, they will know what you mean. If you say it anywhere else, they'll show you a piece of furniture. A coffee cabinet or a cabinet drink is like a um, blended, kind of like a milkshake. It has milk, it has ice cream, and it has this syrup, this autocrat or coffee time uh, syrup. And I guess in any other part of the country, it would just be a milkshake or it would be a frap, Right. And I guess there's a difference between milkshake and frap. I'm sure I'm not. I'm sure you're not supposed to use those interchangeably. But um, for some reason, in that part of the country, they would refer to this kind of a drink as a cabinet or a coffee cabinet or a milk cabinet. And according to Yankee Magazine, it's probably because the places that made them kept the blender in a cabinet. <laughs> I wish it had a better explanation. I was sure there'd be something better, but um, the blenders were probably stored in cabinets at the diner or the creamery, and so they called it a cabinet drink. So There's stuff like that, though, right? Like there's parts of the country where it's, a, you know, it's pop, and there's another part of the country where it's soda. And like in New England, all carbonated beverages were referred to as tonic. So when I was a little kid... If your grandmother said, do you want a cup of tonic? Do you want a glass of tonic? She didn't mean tonic water. She meant whatever soda she had. It could be Pepsi, Coke, Sprite, ginger ale, 7-Up. You know, that was tonic. That's what they called it. But if you said tonic down here, if I went to a bar tonight and said, uh, I'll take a tonic, it would be tonic water. So, What was the chocolate flavoring you used as a kid? Because people are very loyal to like, 
Ovaltine people are like very particular about Ovaltine. What was your go-to chocolate powder in milk when you were a kid? 210-599-5555. Just a quick answer. Uh, Ovaltine. There was quick. There was something called PDQ. Does that still exist? Did, did you ever have that? I think it was that, PDQ. Yeah, I think that still exists. It was like granular or, mm-hmm. or like little beads, right? Mm-hmm. Bosco. There was Bosco, Bosco syrup. Bosco. Very good, Don. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bosco syrup. And that was just a syrup, right? Not a powder. Yes. Um, I liked that a lot, too. And when we had that, if you had that in the house, you could put it on ice cream. A double duty. Hershey's, I think, had something called like instant or instant chocolate. Uh, there's a whole bunch of them. Um, and I'm probably leaving some out. But what was your chocolate powder when you were a kid? 210. 210- Five nine nine fifty five fifty five. We had at my house. We had Bosco. We had Coffee Time syrup, um, and I think <clears throat> I think maybe that was uh, that was about it. I don't remember seeing Ovaltine or Quick. Um, I usually use Ovaltine now if I want that. Have that at the house. Um, Carnation I think had one right. Carnation Instant Breakfast. That was a, a powder you could put in milk. Hershey's uh, what was your syrup, I think, Ed. Did, Hershey's did. syrup, right, mm-hmm. yeah. What was your go-to, 210-599-5555? Jack says um, PDQ also made an eggnog flavor. I did not know that. Look into that. Um, looking at my email here, we're getting a lot of votes for Nestle's Quick. That seems to be running away with it at the moment. Uh, any any love out there for Ovaltine? Have we got any Ovaltine fans? Uh, anybody remember Bosco? Bosco, I guess, was a syrup, and I think it only came in chocolate. And um, it was a little more work. When you put syrup in milk, it was a little more work. You had to do a little more stirring, you know, a little more stirring or shaking. I think people liked the powder because it was easily dissolved. A couple of rotations of the spoon, and you were good to go. Um, Of course, if you're using the blender, anything will work. Any of these will work. Um, Ovaltine, John says... Wasn't Ovaltine George Costanza's password? Yes, I think it was. I think in one of the Seinfeld episodes it was. How do we remember that stuff? <laughs> All right. So your choices are Hershey's syrup, PDQ, quick, Ovaltine, coffee time, autocrat, other. Maybe there was some other brand we're leaving out. Was it um, what was yours? Wasn't the PDQ it wasn't in a granular form. I think it was like beads or something. Beads, was it? No? Yeah. yeah. So I meant by granular, yeah. It was like it was like um yeah, I think you had to dissolve it with more vigor, right, than uh than the others. Um I'm not sure what the like sales pitch for PDQ was. Maybe it just was around longer or something. It seemed like once um Nestle's Quick came along, that kind of dominated, if I remember correctly. But Paper Plastic Straws was our JR poll question, powered by River City Oral Surgery. Ninety one percent Plastic straws, 9% paper straws. New JR poll tomorrow. We get started at 4 live, and we'll have the dish. And uh, Richard writes to Jack at KTSA.com, it was Bosco that was George Costanza's password. That does sound right. I think I said Ovaltine, or somebody said Ovaltine. Um, Bosco was George Costanza's password, writes Richard. My mom would mix instant coffee, ice cubes, water, and a scoop of vanilla ice cream. It was delicious. All right, what was your go-to chocolate powder when you were a kid? Were you a quick kid, an Ovaltine kid, PDQ, Bosco? I know we're leaving, we're leaving some out. I know we are. James is on the radio. Hi, James. 
Hi, Jack. Uh, you had mentioned Sonic earlier, and they don't have them anymore, at least my local Sonic malts, uh, like the shake with the malt flavoring. But oh, yeah. to that point, yeah. is, I used to like uh, growing up the Carnation uh, malt malted milk. It was like a oh, powder yes. in a jar. Yes. came yes. in vanilla and chocolate. That yep. was my thing because I like the malt. I think they so still make that, don't they? I think it comes great. in a plastic. Uh, I think it comes in a plastic jar now, but I think they still make that. You know, I bought a jar several years ago. Uh, I saw it in the store, and it was still in a jar. This is a while back, right. and it expired. I never opened it. <laughs> it went in the trash. So anyway, um, I hope you get to have it again. It. Like you say, if they make it, I'll, ha- I'll have to look for it at ATP yeah, yeah. because I really Definitely used to do drink that. that as a kid. I, yeah. I feel like just right. in the last few years I bought that, so I think it might still be out there. Um, 210-599-5555. By the way, when we were drinking these uh, as kids, it was a treat. Like once in a while, you know, you could. And it was it was just chocolate milk. I think it's hilarious that now all this stuff is considered like, oh, it's a supplement. Like if you look at the Ovaltine jar now it's they're they're all about like oh this is uh after a workout and it contains these various uh minerals and it's got so much of such and such a vitamin and it's just chocolate milk come on what are we doing here you know it's kind of like the burger king thing come on we're just having chocolate milk here but anyway yeah i mean people were were particular about i know i noticed in the emails people have their definite like, nobody in the email says, well, we had this or that or sometime. No, it was always whatever the family had. Like, we, we always had PDQ or we always had Nestle's Quick. Uh, Phil says it was strawberries. Uh, strawberry Nestle's Quick. That's right. They did have strawberry. Uh, 210-599-5555. Daniel is on the radio. Hi, Daniel. Hi there. Um, I was just remembering what I used to get when I was a kid. Um, from like the late 60s, early 70s, called Great Shake. And oh, what was that? You got it. It was really good. It was like a it was like a instant breakfast type thing, and it had mm-hmm. the the powder was in like a little paper triangle thing. You rip mm-hmm. it open and you put it into the Great Shake shaker, which is like a little brown uh, shaker thing. Put the top on it. You'd shake it up till it was all mixed with what with the milk, and then you pour it, and it was really good uh, chocolate milk. Mm-hmm. Called hmm. Great Shake. So it came with its own, like, con- you know, vessel Shaker. or container. Yeah, right. I didn't know if you had yeah. to buy the vessel separate from the little pouches yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But I remember we used to make those things. You rip them open, put them in there, and shake it around, and it was really good stuff. Very nice. I like that. All right. Thank you, Daniel. Yeah. Appreciate that call. Um, the guy that mentioned instant coffee in his email, I think I've told this story before, but and I'm not rec- I'm not. I'm not recommending this, but it brought back another memory for me. When, when we would pull an all-nighter in college to study, and, you know, when you're a college kid, you're not, you're at your least organized, right, prepared. You're not, you know, you've, everything is kind of make it up as you go along. I remember, and I saw somebody do it, which is why I did it, and, again, I don't advise it. We were trying to stay awake. And th- this was before you had all these coffee places and drive through coffee and all that. Middle of the night, you couldn't get coffee. We would take a spoonful of instant, like Folgers or whatever, instant granules, and just swallow it. Just, just take it dry. 
it doesn't go down easily, <laughs> but it does. It does. You do get the effects. You do get the, you do get the uh, the caffeine, and you do get the effects of the caffeine. Uh, pretty nasty when you think about it. Yeah, you probably don't want to smile for a photograph right after you've done that. But anyway, yeah, we more than once um, we did that. And I remember I told that story on the radio years ago, and a guy said, and I don't know if this was true or not, that he had um, eaten uh, Lipton cup of soup dry. I don't think I'd, I mean, I can understand wanting caffeine. I, I don't think I'd want, I don't think I'd ever want cup of soup so badly that if there was no water, I would have it anyway. You know what I mean? I'm not I'm not too proud for cup of soup, but I think I'm going to have to hold out for water on that one. Uh, and while we're still being nostalgic, and we'll probably talk about this tomorrow, but I, I, I saw this on Facebook. It was not my post. Uh, this guy, Eric Alper, posted it. And it's a picture of a Maxell... Um, metallic cassette tape. Do you remember those, Don? It was the top-of-the-line Maxell tape. It was the XL 2S gold, you know, gold mm-hmm. packaging, mm-hmm. very fancy graphics. It was the highest-priced cassette tape. And he said, if someone made you a mixtape on this, you knew they were serious about you. <laughs> remember making a mixtape for somebody that you were in love with or had a crush on or were dating? That was like better than flowers. No. Yes. And I think a lot of people, I mean, I know we did it because we were in radio, but I know a lot of people made mixtapes, and I think still do, uh, to be honest. Probably now they're, they're mix CDs. But um, anyway, we'll talk about that tomorrow. And, of course, we'll have the dish, and we'll be on all the breaking news that's happening tomorrow. We're live starting at 4 here on KTSA, or find the Jack Riccardi Show anytime as an on-demand podcast. Have a good night.